0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. It's Jawad here as always, and thanks for joining me this week. After the Italian Grand Prix, Monza done and dusted for another year, and it was a weekend as inevitably all Grand Prix weekends are at the moment—a weekend of uh, with another Max Verstappen victory and the record set as well now. 10 straight for Max setting that record ahead of Sebastian Vettel back in 2013 when he won nine on the bounce and you know this is what I like I don't like ones that sort of carry over from from season to season or you know the sort of uncertainty of whether you know a race count, such as Indianapolis back in the 50s, I think it was Farina or or Fangio that might have had the record, could have had the record, but one of the races don't count back in the day, it was Indy, Uh, but here there's no denying or disputing the fact that, you know, Max has this record, and it, it could continue to grow, you know, we've still got seven or eight races left this season, um, it could still very much grow, and then get to the stage where perhaps we won't see it broken ever again, and that's why, you know, there are some who are consigned to the fact, um, or willingly, maybe not willingly, but, you know, well, they've chosen to, they've chosen to want to witness Red Bull trying to achieve a perfect season, and, you know, they'd almost be upset if someone else won uh, outside of Red Bull, so, you know, can they go and complete, you know, 22 um, 22 wins for the season consecutive, never been done before, Red Bull also with 15 straight this season, so they're getting close, they're getting close, but at the same time, there are some tricky races coming up, even though I don't think any conditions really are phasing him at the moment, and, and Singapore might even be a track that favours Sergio Perez like it did last year, and he put in one of his better races, but anyway, let's talk about Monza, hope everyone's doing well anyway out there, um, Monza, so, the record set, it was a 1-2 finish as well from Red Bull, with Checo coming from 5th to finish 2nd, um, and bit of a eventful weekend for him because he had a crash in FP2 uh, at the end of FP2 at uh, Parabolica, or coming out of Parabolica, similar to where Charles Leclerc crashed a few years ago, I think 2020, um, whilst defending his race win from the year before, and that's kind of where the the Monza curse sort of started as well, Um, but then had to get a another power unit put in the car, not a new one, so didn't incur any grid penalties, just another one in the pool, and sort of hamstrung by lack of power that, you know, you would have from a fresh power unit, and Monza, as we know, is a power circuit, all the power and as le- as little downforce as possible will-, will benefit you there, so Checo definitely suffering from that and qualifying, but come the race, he was able to round up everybody and sad as well because our driver of the weekend or the the driver that I thought you know was the best across the whole weekend Carlos Sainz who claimed pole position first of all and pretty much hung in there till the very end to relinquish second ultimately even though he was leading the race early on um you know Checo, the Red Bull, much better than the Ferrari, and was able to get past, but it wasn't until the end, like we'll talk about. Got a qualifying, um, signs on pole by 0.013 over Verstappen, such a small margin, and then Charles Leclerc, the Ferrari teammate, behind Max in third, but only 0.067 off the pole time, so great margins, and I've got to say, and I said this on the grid talk show over the weekend after qualifying as well is that we've had some really great qualifying sessions of late you know the races are a different story and we know that the red bull delta over a race distance or on race pace is more significant than in quali over everyone else but the fact that we've got a close qualifying going on at the moment and yes we had alternative tyre Allocations for this weekend where Q1 used hards, mediums Q2, and softs Q3. But, you know, everyone uses soft anyway in Q3, so I don't think that would have impacted the shootout for pole that we did get. But, you know, you look in recent races, how even at Zanvort last time, Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, they were in the mix for pole until Max came on a gradually improving track to, you know, set half a second, put half a second between him and the McLarens behind and Silverstone was quite exciting too, um, Spa I think was as well, I can't remember now because it was uh, a wet weekend and so long ago, Hungary, so you know we've had some pretty good qualifyings and you know interesting given the fact that you know we've got sprint races as, or we did have last year's sprint races as a as a means of setting the grid for sundays races and then you go back to 2016 the um the elimination qualifying that failed quite miserably um the traditional format works you know the the traditional three-stage qualifying is working it's just about making the cars more competitive with each other which comes the onus comes down to the teams which is the narrative that i've been spruiking pretty much the entire time I've been doing this podcast, going back even into the um, era of Mercedes dominance, it was all... The onus was on teams executing and getting, getting it right. You know, Red Bull weren't certainly doing that at times, you know, then, so you know, they're ones to talk now, but anyway, we'll leave that for another time. Uh, going into the race, so it was an interesting start, because we had an aborted start um, on the formation lap, Yuki Tsunoda had a loss of power, and then, of course, <coughs> it took a while for them to get the the recovery vehicle out there, the, the marshals, and... The cars reformed on the grid, thinking that, oh, we'll do another formation lap and we'll start, but they had to do another lap to the grid before they sat uh, stationary for about 15 minutes, and then at 20 past the hour, um, 20 minutes after the race should have started, we got underway with a formation lap and a proper race start, but they did lose a lap in the process. Um, Signs got away nicely, Max behind, Leclerc third... And it wasn't until lap 15 when um, signs, you know, minister one of the few ministers of defence on show uh, at Monza over the weekend, actually yielded the lead to Max. And at the same time, you know, Ferrari doing well with the pincer movement. Leclerc was able to, you know, keep within Max's DRS range and um, stay with him to, to keep the pressure on from behind and with signs leading at the front. Um, but ultimately I guess the concerns over the Ferrari tyres sort of put them behind in terms of being competitive with the Red Bull over a longer stint. And yeah, the pass was executed into Turn 5 at the Del Rogier chicane, which saw lots of action, and we'll get to that a little bit later as well. Very, very eventful there over the weekend and certainly in the race. Um, Signs was the first of the leaders anyway to come into the pits on lap 20. Max and Leclerc came in the following lap, while Checo came in for hard tyres on lap 22 and you know was able to ultimately get past signs on lap 46 while the Ferrari's tyres had pretty much dropped off and you know one thing I will applaud Ferrari for as well is letting the boys race on this occasion because Leclerc did get a bit too close to Sainz at one point near the end of the race. He had the better tyres at that point, and also um, there was a bit of contact. I think as well it could have been it could have been game over for Ferrari almost, or even losing one car would have been disastrous. Other than the three-four finish that they did have, but Sainz had been the one to really back this weekend and I think I said it last week after Zandvoort that it's just puzzling how in recent races when Signs has been or even going back to Canada for example when Signs has been in a stronger position in the race you know in terms of his pace and time management and he's in behind Leclerc yet Ferrari don't want to budge from Leclerc being ahead like something's got to give there you know and it's it's again one of those sorry difficult seasons for Ferrari, when you know okay every point counts and you know Leclerc at the moment is behind on behind on points to science. It's only a six point difference, but the point being is you have to back the driver that's quickest on the day, even you know though and. Because they're not in championship contention. Sorry, I'm trying to find the words to make the point. Um, they're not in championship contention, so it shouldn't matter about an, an A driver or a B driver or a one driver, number one driver, number two driver. It's just whoever's ahead on the day. And Signs was the pole sitter. He was doing the better job right throughout. And you know, Leclerc had some radio messages, you know, a bit spicy as well, complaining about a lot of things and the strategy and this and that where signs just, you know, let his driving do the talking, and that's why he, he took the took the biscuits at the end of the day, even if it was third place, but hard to believe that it was his first podium of the season too, so, you know, that will hopefully give him some confidence going into the uh, end of the season, or the last, you know, sort of third of the season that we're, we're heading into now. Um, Ferrari, though, having having the pace, which was good to see, oddly enough, you never thought you'd hear me say that, but yeah, Ferrari having the pace over the weekend, you know, whether it was track-specific or not, I mean, they will take any bit of glory they can at Monza, but how does that bode for the rest of the season is, is going to be the interesting thing, because it's a very small window that this Ferrari operates in successfully, otherwise it's pretty terrible and you know we've seen the likes of Mercedes and and Aston Martin faster than them at points you know McLaren perhaps a a bit too far behind in terms of um, the Constructors Championship but you know they can still beat them on a a weekend so you know when Ferrari did end up overtaking Aston in the Constructors Championship we'll talk about Aston a bit later Um, so they're back up into third but you know not going to be the type to challenge Mercedes I think for second which is the which is the big one ahead so that's your top three um behind them coming over to Mercedes now um both Mercedes given five second time penalties uh for various incidents during the race George Russell uh ended up tagging Esteban Ocon after a pit stop and that's where he earned the penalty but he had one of his, his best weekends in recent times, though, did Russell. Uh, he finished fifth at the end of the day and didn't drop any places as a result of the penalty um, and was kind of running his own race, really, there. But, you know, he was he was quicker than Hamilton in qualifying. Um, he was able to stay up the front for, for, you know, early part of the race. And, yeah, you know, basically hamstrung by the fact that, you know, the mercedes package is just not quick enough in a straight line at the moment which is which is interesting given the fact that coming into the turbo hybrid era you know straight line speed is what mercedes were kings of with the um with the power unit um and they were uncatchable wherever you go so yeah a bit of work needs to be done there and you know the mercedes powered teams other than Williams, it seems, over the weekend, were struggling in terms of their straight line speed, but that was Russell's penalty for, for the hit on Ocon. Hamilton, unfortunately, had a running together with Oscar Piastri turning in on him, um, and like I said earlier, there was a lot of action at the De La chicane, and um, Hamilton tried to... Hamilton tried to... Um, cover off, or he went down the inside, uh, into the left-hander with Oscar right on the outside, and, you know, really, he had nowhere to go, did the McLaren, yet, you know, Hamilton still managed to turn in on him on to the right, and, you know, nice of Hamilton after the race to come and apologize, you know, a lot of class there from the seven-time world champion, um, and yeah, that's why he was penalized, but, you know, he was in an interesting battle towards the end of the race, with the likes of Albon and the Williams, Alex Albon and Norris. And Albon was another Minister of Defence on the day. He kept Lando frustrated behind him, yet Hamilton somehow was able to get past both of them and pull enough of a gap in six to nullify that five-second penalty. So, you know, that would have left the likes of Lando in particular and McLaren more frustrated because you know, there was more points on the table for them and with Piastri out of the points as well and Piastri having a five-second penalty as well for uh, gaining going off the track and gaining an advantage when he was battling with Liam Lawson outside the points anyway. Um, that earned him, you know, a drop down to 12th overall. So not a great day for McLaren, even though Lando finished in eighth. But there's a bit of interesting... Um, talk going on, you know, and this is, again, the side of fandom that I don't really, you know, I don't really get, I don't want to get, and I find a bit toxic, um, is conspiracy theories about, uh, you know, McLaren's strategy and whatnot, the fact that um, Oscar was ahead before the pit stops and then was undercut by Lando again, because it happened in in Zandvoort and a few times again, who knows what, what what the what the strategists are calling up there and you know, I guess it's not you know, same with Ferrari. In my mind, yes, whoever's quicker or whoever's ahead should be prioritized, but let's not get too caught up in it being a conspiracy yeah, and I'm pretty sure I didn't say that the it's a conspiracy about Ferrari. I was just saying, you know, they need to think a bit better. And in this situation, I agree, they should perhaps think better. But let's not get caught up in, in sort of rumours and conspiracy. And it was unfortunate as well that um, both of the cars made contact at the retifilo chicane, retifilo chicane at the turn one coming out of the pits it could have almost been a um Verstappen on Hamilton type situation from a couple of years ago so yeah unfortunate day for McLaren uh but you know I'm sure you know as we go to tracks like Singapore Japan they'll be a bit more better for them and you know the first podium for Oscar will still be uh still be dangling like a orange carrot, and it's supposed to be a reference to orange and McLaren, but anyway, Albon, like I said, another robust performance from him, and he was one of the other ministers of defense on show, Uh, secured seventh, he qualified in the top 10, basically kept his position, he frustrated Lando, he helped Lewis, Williams, great with the strategy as well, pitted on lap 15 for the hard tyres, and then went, you know, 35 laps on it, it was you know, looking pretty dicey for him at the end, but he kept the likes of Norris and Alonso behind him, so, you know, credit's due where it's, you know, got to give Albin credit, words, I just can't be given credit for words this evening, I just don't know um, how to string together a sentence, but, you know, great to hear as well that Albin being talked about as being a potential candidate to move up to up to another team, who that's going to be, who knows, because, you know, we got the news over the weekend, or ahead of the weekend, i got to say, after I did my last recording, frustrating, uh, that Mercedes have re-signed both their drivers to the end of 2025, so, you know, that's Hamilton locked away, that's Russell locked away, and I'll go into that a bit later, but yeah, it's very few opportunities with top teams, you'd think, until, you know, 2025 or 2026, um, that would be there. But you never know. Someone like an Audi or Ferrari, even, they might decide to, because, you know, there's all that talk about signs potentially going over to the Works Audi team um, with his mate Andreas Seidel there. So, you know, could Ferrari potentially eye up Alex Albon? That would be quite an interesting fit. Um,. But going back to the race, Valtteri Bottas, I know you probably haven't talked about him much in recent times because he hasn't really featured a lot in the races, but he finished 10th and scored a point despite his anon- anonymity. That's a word that always bothers me. I was, you know when i wrote it down the other night i was trying to read it aloud it took me ages to get the pronunciation right but he scored his first point since canada earlier in the year and you know that alfa romeo we know is a very very you know not so good car to drive and it's you know it's consistent but it's consistently slow um so for them to get a come a crumfer you know with a with a lovely uh livery for Monza as well celebrating uh, a new Alfa Romeo road car which has come out um you know it's 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 great that they were able to score some points teammate Guan Yu Zhou down in 14th um but yeah there was a bit of a there was a bit of a moment there for old Valtteri Mullet man because he passed Logan Sargent on lap 43 at turn one and then uh Sargent came back at him at at turn five but locked up and went into Bottas's side pod um, and that's cost that cost <laughs> sergeant 5 seconds and potentially a chance at a first point as well because he was looking quite good otherwise um, before that all unfolded so what was there four drivers at the end of the race out of 20 that ended up with um, five second time penalties applied to them but lucky it didn't really affect the um, result sheet too much apart from I think Piastri and Sargent who dropped some places which elevated Liam Lawson up to 11th and another sensational Drive from Lawson, you know, having a full weekend under his belt, you know, Helmet Marco's already come out and compared him to Bruce McLaren, like seriously, <laughs> Helmet already. Um, and you know, he said some other things about Perez too, which I won't go into on this show. But it's just, yeah, it's it's Helmet doing Helmet things. But great effort from from Lawson, you've got to say. And with Ricardo likely to return for Qatar, I reckon um, that's what has been suggested, it's, you know, going to be good for Lawson to go off and do his Super Formula finale at the end of October as well, which does clash with the Mexico Grand Prix in F1, but, you know, Singapore's going to be a test for him and Suzuka as well, I think, will be a good race for him, hopefully, so doing really well is, is our Kiwi friend Lawson, um, Alpine they suffered from lack of grunt no power Um, they both got knocked out in Q1 did Ocon and Pierre Gasly and basically had an anonymous and pointless race well Ocon was a DNF ultimately you know after the contact with Russell um, while Gasly was kind of you know only ahead of the Haas cars who again struggled in the race tyre management still a problem for them lack of upgrades hurting them seriously don't know why or what they're doing (laughs) but they've decided to retain their drivers for next year too so you know at least they'll have consistency in some respect um Lance Stroll he qualified uh last uh finished p16 and the only reason that I wanted to bring Stroll up uh or uh, p15 I should say sorry um the only reason I wanted to bring Stroll up is you know, without sounding like I'm stroll bashing again, which, you know, I'm sure there's people out there accusing me of. Um, he, he sat at FP1 because of the mandatory time needed to needed for young drivers to sit in the car and they had Felipe Andragovic in the car, uh, reigning F2 champion in FP1. FP2 was um, sort of curtailed for him, from the beginning because of a fuel system problem when he came out and did like one lap or something and had to pull over um Stroll to to say that because he was he was lacking running in practice and whatnot you know in a car that's still quite decently quick you know it's got top 10 pace but like Stroll's not a rookie or or necessarily what I'd say a young driver in my mind where he lacks experience he's been in F1 for 7 years now he's driven at monza so many times he's been on the podium at monza and had a front row start too um how can you be so far behind you know it's 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 perplexing so you know i was i was a fan of on the on the grid talk podcast on the race review i was a fan of you know tom downey's comments and his sort of frank view frank view or frank assessment of the situation and i'm just echoing that with what i'm saying is that something's got to give you know and you know bahrain's a long time ago your wrist injuries you know they should be good as gold by now um with the rehab and modern medical science that you know high-performance athletes, high-performance sweat, sweat, um, get, it should, it shouldn't be a problem, so, not that I'm guaranteeing, saying that, oh, you know, Aston Martin were guaranteed double points finish today, but the gap is enormous, it really is, so, you know, I don't know, I don't want to hate on, on Lance, that's the thing, you know, he's had his moments, he's, he's, he's been... (sighs) He's been flashy, but there's there seems to be more negative that outweigh the positives, I'm afraid. So, you know, hopefully he can have a better race. Like it would be a shame for him to finish the season in a car that's capable of podiums without a podium. But also, how far adrift of his teammate is he in the in the in the drivers championship? You know, he's only forty-seven points, um, ten ahead of Gasly to 170 points of Alonso, you know, and I don't see him catching, you know, the likes of Norris ahead or Russell, and then you've got the Ferraris, but he's got to do better, surely, and then in the Constructors' Championship, like I said, they've lost, or Aston Martin have lost third now to Ferrari, this was a team that was second, and, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have stayed second if they, like, I'm sure they would have stayed second if they had, um, you know, they didn't have that slump in the middle of the year that they did, but that's all basically Alonso's effort anyway, so, you know, to think the points that they could get off Stroll would put them further ahead and perhaps comfortably ahead of Ferrari as well, so who knows, anyway, let's not dwell on it too much, that's your Monza Grand Prix wrap, um, Quickly wanted to talk about Mercedes and you know signing on their drivers to the end of 2025 and that kind of puts to bed all the speculation and and rumors about what Hamilton would be doing next is he going to Ferrari no please don't you know and I've, I've had my little talk about loyalty and what that means to him and it's good to see um that exist there but You know, it it also means that there's no opening there at Mercedes for the likes of Leclerc, for example, who's out of contract at the end of next year and has been linked to driving with Mercedes, potentially, or even Alex Albon as well. But also for Hamilton, you know, there's the lure of an eighth title still there. And even if, you know, the next two years they still can't catch Red Bull what if he sees enough in Mercedes to believe that going into the 2026 regs, when everything changes again, that he could do it then, you know, and that would be something, and it's an interesting change of heart as well from Hamilton, who's previously said that he won't be racing into his 40s, and by the time his new contract will end in, in the end of 2025, he will be 40, Um, he'll be 40, so you know Alonso's forty-one currently, and he's still very much in his prime and doing really well. So there's no reason why not. I can see um, Hamilton also going into his forties and still being successful. And you know if he can get that eighth title one day, which you know this time last year I very much doubted would be a thing, and thought that he was he was past his best, and you know the the lingering side effects of the twenty-one title fight has really hurt him he's bounced back and he's proved a lot of people wrong which is which is good so you know would I like to see Hamilton win an eighth title of course because it's like people saying um would you like to see Red Bull win every single race this year now with only seven or eight to go yes because will uh eighth title be achieved by anyone again in the future? You know, Max certainly, you said that he doesn't want to hang around forever in Formula One because he wants to go off and do other things. Um, Who else is going to be able to do that? It might not be for a while that we see eight titles be achieved in F1. So, you know, credit to Lewis and and for Russell too. I mean, he gets a couple of years more to see if he can can beat Hamilton again. Um, If not, you know, then what do you say about George? who knows, but anyway, that's it, we'll wrap things up today, nice to talk about the Italian Grand Prix, of course, and have a weekend off this weekend, and uh, be back after the Singapore Grand Prix, and also Sandown 500 with supercars, so until then, thank you. Make sure you check out our socials as well. The link tree is in the description of the podcast. And I've mentioned the Grid Talk show a couple of times as well. So please go check them out on all the good podcast platforms. Otherwise, appreciate you guys and stay safe. Take care. See ya.